What is up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to GeekWave Games, your number one spot for geek, uh, just games in general, um, where we're just going to sit down, talk about all the games that we've been playing over the summer, because it was a stacked summer, as 2023 continues to just be uh, probably... I, I, okay, I would say probably the best year in games. Yeah. Hands down. Controversial, so <laughs> I like. I'm opening this up with some hot takes. Um, and we can get into it. Um, but first, a little bit of housekeeping for GeekWave in general. Um, one of our new shows, if you want to give a little bit of a preamble for sure. it, is we're bringing back Poor Unfortunate Roles. Yeah. In the past, there we had one episode of Poor Unfortunate Roles where we played a D&D game. Um, I wasn't a part of that. That was before I joined GeekWave. Um, but now I'm starting it off by playing Monster of the Week. And so kind of last time it was you two that joined as players as well as my friend Portia came on as a guest and played with us. And I hope it was fun. I hope it went well. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a good episode, session zero, kind of an idea of testing out, working out the bugs and everything, dry run. But I listened to it last night. And it's a fun little, still enjoyable episode. So I think yeah. we'll still publish it and put it out there. So yeah. that'll be coming out. And then... Better, more published episodes will follow it as well. <laughs> well. Yeah, what I was gonna say is like that was also my first time playing D and D, and I think mm-hmm. it's a great introduction for those that haven't played, want to maybe get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you walked through how it works in terms of setting up characters, setting mm-hmm. up the really cool world. Mm-hmm. Did you come up with that world? I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, it's it's Mix. our modern world, but basically any fantasy thing you want to exist in the world can. And so you know, throughout it, I'll be taking inspiration from different games or different fandoms and whatnot. But, yeah, it's essentially just our world but fantasy. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that will be an ongoing thing, rotating cast, not a full campaign. It's Monster of the Week in terms of the game we're playing and also in terms of each session will be its own little story and mission. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it should be fun to keep going. Yeah. Um, And then along with that, uh, we have a couple new reviews coming out. Um, Ronnie worked on a review for Gunbrella. Once again, thanks to Dolaro Digital for the code for that. Um, he had a blast with it, and make sure to go check out the review for more specific stuff, as well as we have a YouTube video version of that review if you'd like to hear him uh, talk about it with some gameplay in the background so you guys can get familiar with what that looks like. Um, I also have your book review if you wanted to give yes, a shout-out for that. Yes, I have The Looking Glass Sound by Katarina Ward coming out tomorrow, Sunday, September 24th. Yeah. So it'll be out by the time this episode uh, yes, comes out. Yeah. So if you haven't already read it, <laughs> read it. There you go. Um, and then, yeah, just as usual, keep an eye out for everything else that's coming out on the podcast. We've got some really cool things planned for um, our video team's been working really hard on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, with all that out of the way, um, first things first, uh, before we get into the games, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a game designer... There's been some. There's been a lot of crap been going on in terms of Unity, and for those that aren't aware, they basically. I'm gonna keep this pretty brief and not get into specifics, but they released a statement that said that they are going to start charging devs based off of the amount of downloads, not purchases, not. Uh, I guess yeah, I guess just purchases, but downloads, whether that be re-downloading, whether that be pirating, um, and. It's, it's a ton of money, basically, yes. from what I've seen. Yes. Um, way too much. And recently, they walked it back. So I was curious your guys' thoughts about any of that before we get talking about the more fun stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, like, obviously, it was... It, I think the main issue is that it was an attack on indie creators, mm-hmm. yeah. mostly, because they are bigger companies really don't care if they have to pay half a million dollars for downloads. Yeah. Um, but to indie, indie devs, that can be pretty devastating, mm-hmm. if not the end yeah. of that kind of thing. One thing that I kept seeing... Um, was a bunch of games basically being like, well, for now we are putting stuff on hold while we figure out if we're going to move to a different dev or if we can talk to Unity. Um, one of my most anticipated games, uh, Another Crab's Treasure, which is mm-hmm. like a Souls-like but with a crab, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just said like, all right, well, uh, our release date's going to get postponed until this gets figured out. Um, and also, they because their marketing team is brilliant, um, <laughs> they had this, you know, big fire thing of announcing all that and at the bottom it's just we fucking hate it here (laughs) (laughs) um nice yeah so that was going on I think Hollow Knight Silk Song was also built in Unity so Mm. they didn't really release a statement Cult of the Lamb Cult of the Lamb was removing and it's just like I think they can say what they want really but it was predatory I think Mm. especially with the re-download and pirating thing because like especially on the Switch or other game consoles storage is very limited Mm -hmm. games get bigger and bigger and bigger Mm. you have to constantly take down delete games re-download them over and over and over again and like come on like it's it's a little ridiculous it's just a scam at that point exactly (laughs) and for me I, I was less into this news until, like, you guys introduced it to me, but previously Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. made a very similar yes. oopsie, and <laughs> to put it lightly, but very similar. Like, it attacked the indie development of live play D&D yes. podcasts of, like, things like Dimension 20 or mm-hmm. Critical Role. They could pay the fine or they could pay for the licensing to play, but for the start off, people just trying to start their own home game podcast, that was pretty much going to go away with the open game license yeah. changing. So... They as well walked it back thanks to all the outcry from players and fans. And so it's people are still able to play now, so which is good. Yes. Yeah. And that's a similar thing with Unity where um, based off of a lot of the stuff that they did, a lot of, yeah, developers were changing. Um, I know, like, for my Capstone project, before mm-hmm. all this got announced, we were like, hey, Unity might be the best place to build our game. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we're just building the prototype, which is going to get basically deleted after we're done anyways. Um, but we are definitely, and I think a lot of other groups are having very serious conversations about not using Unity. And it's not, obviously, because I think how it works is, like, once you get past 200,000 downloads, then they start charging. Yeah, there's a threshold, yeah. mm. but it's not very big. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not like, I don't think any of our Capstone games, I wish that they do <laughs> get past that point. Right. Um, it's more of just, why should we support them if they're willing to do this stuff? And... With them also walking it back, it makes me wonder if... I mean, it, they've lost their our trust, and it's that sort of thing mm-hmm. where, like, yeah. what's going to happen when they do it again in a less predatory way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they still want to make money, so it's still going to suck. Well, it's just like, in this day and age, indie games are more popular than they ever have been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to go after them kind of in this way, you're losing a huge part of, like, potential, like licensors that kind of thing mm. because yeah like if they don't know because indie indie developers don't know when their game is going to go off mm. like they go off more more and more mm. but like it's still a gamble and they're not going to gamble with unity yeah. anymore after this right it gets me thinking about because i mean like a big conversation with indie games in general was when the wii u and uh 3ds shops closed and mm-hmm. oh yeah the wii shop they're just gone yeah. you know um 
the completionist actually went and bought all of them and uh, <laughs> gave them to the video game uh, in whatever foundation, I guess. Mm. Um, and I know Doug Bowser, I think this is, yeah, it's public. He put it in the um, mm. Nintendo Direct, but he did say that they're doing like a museum to help with stuff like that in terms of video game preservation. Yeah. But those small indie games, they're just going to be gone, yeah. you know? Um, so anything that we can do to keep those alive is definitely helpful mm. um, and also stealing a bunch of money is not helpful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah I think I think that we're still going to be hearing about this in the future especially for those that don't know and I just learned this a couple days ago the person in charge of Unity right now was once the head of EA mm-hmm. this is a oh, very right. greedy person um, he once had a quote I think that was like and this might not be from him but it's at least from EA at the height of the microtransaction stuff was like if you're playing Battlefield and run out of bullets in your clip it's a need that you're going to buy another clip if we were like that's how intense we can get with microtransactions where we can <laughs> force you to buy another magazine yeah. um, that's the guy that we're dealing with yeah. so I don't think he's going to back down I think that he, he backed it off because and honestly I do think that it's because Nintendo Microsoft and Sony because they do use Unity for a decent amount of stuff yeah. mm-hmm. I think that they honestly want someone to be like hey we're not paying this you know that right <laughs> like no we're not doing this if we don't have to mm-hmm. and they were like oh yeah I guess you guys do help us out a lot okay, our we'll biggest funders <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my thing they didn't communicate with anyone yeah. they just were like this is a great idea guys yeah Outgreeding Sony would be like really hard to do. <laughs> like, love Sony, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll still probably be hearing about this in a couple weeks, but or hopefully not. Hopefully we're good. <laughs> I don't think. Though, hopefully we don't. don't just take take two and try again a new yeah. approach, and it's just just as bad probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but moving on to more fun stuff. Um, just a little bit of the games that we've been playing, um, whether or not that's games that we want to cover from GeekWave with review codes and stuff, or bigger games that we can't necessarily write a review for because <laughs> they take hundreds of hours, and if anyone's not clear, I'm talking about Baldur's Gate. Um, so yeah, but before, because I want to leave you guys plenty of time for Baldur's Gate, I'm personally not playing it. I know. I'll get to it. I promise. It's on the list. For I will sure. start playing it. <laughs> This year. <laughs> um, one of the games that we did get for review, and once again, thank you so much for offering these codes. We really appreciate it as we're just kind of starting up and building up, um, was for Killer Frequency, um, which is a first person kind of puzzle radio yeah. talk show. I started playing through it, but you had finished it. I finished it. Yeah. Yes. What did you think of it? I thought it was really, really good. I do understand where some of the criticism comes from of like, yeah. <laughs> of like the more like nitpicky, like changing songs, the ad stations, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it just, for me, it it's all a part of creating tension and frustration towards like the situation that's going on. I mean, it does kind of feel weird sometimes and like you kill somebody on accident and then you're like, oops, ah. <laughs> yeah, I think, because I, I wasn't as hot on the game personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just didn't necessarily find it too enjoyable with some of the writing and some of the gameplay stuff. So that is something that I did do was purposely kill off, like see what happens when <laughs> I choose all of the r- wrong options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that it was where it was like, ah, oh, I killed someone. Uh, and like obviously <laughs> your companion in this is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Which was really funny. Um 
but yeah, I, I didn't necessarily enjoy it. I'm, of course, glad you did. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for those who don't know, like, the whole game is you're in, like, you're a radio host in a very small town, and one day, um, the sheriff is murdered, and the only dispatch officer needs to go get help from a neighboring town, so you're in charge of being 911 for the night while a serial killer runs loose. Lovely. Uh, yeah. It's a really cool concept, yeah. man. It's super cool. At first I was like, oh, it's a little bit like Life is Strange True Colors set up. But... <laughs> this is exactly what I said. Yeah. And in my opinion, I'm so, yes. Okay. It's a little more lighthearted of an approach with that game. It's a little more rom-com. You can choose. Holy shit. Yes, because we were having a conversation about this woman. I heard that she played Curly Frequency. I was like, I think Life is Strange True Colors did it better. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Okay. <laughs> a little bit less intense of a murder mystery idea, but yeah, because you're just like helping people get get together. Basically, it was most yeah. of what it ends up. Yeah, being. solving inner conflict issues is a little bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But uh, the serial killer is a nice, uh, nice, nice spin on yeah, that. And <laughs> yeah, and like again, I, like you didn't play through the whole thing, um, but like I think. It does a really good job because a lot of games, like, it's one where people either die or they live mm. type situation. And if you don't, like, if you're kind of minor spoilers, I guess, there's one little bit where um, you can make all the right decisions, like, based on the scenario, mm. and somebody still dies. Mm. And it's not like a story thing. Like, you can't eventually save them once you go back. But it's like, you were being the good person and somebody still died. So it still gives you that, like, oh, horror like sad yeah. feeling yeah. that could be missed if you were just like I'm gonna complete it perfectly which I think was a really nice touch I was gonna say that in terms of where some of the more gameplay stuff let me off or uh, didn't necessarily hold up for me in terms of like it's unfortunate that it feels very obvious what the right and wrong answers are and then again like mm-hmm. I only went through I think two or three phone calls so maybe yeah. they do ramp up in difficulty but the idea that you could still choose all of the correct answers and it feels obvious and they still die is a really cool play on expectations that I wish I saw a little bit more through my playthrough um but I'm glad that it's still there yeah Mm -hmm. and like I I do get the it's a little distract there's a lot of things to do outside of the phone calls like there's the soundboard and I just want to press them at inappropriate (laughs) moments because it makes me laugh I just Um, wish that those did a little bit more outside of just my own yeah. enjoyment of yeah. like pressing a laugh track when they die. It's mm-hmm. like that doesn't actually do it. Like, it's not like the companion's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, There's no time for laughing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more of that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think of that. But I think there's a lot of potential. Like if they were to make a sequel where it's kind of the same concept, different environment, I think they yeah. could really, really nail it. But it was really, really good. Mm. Thank you for the game code. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other game we didn't, of course, we didn't get a review code for this, um, but one game that at least me and Caitlin have been playing mm. has been Resident Evil Four. Yes. Um, the DLC just came out. We haven't gotten a chance to play it because we are college students and have a lot <laughs> going on. Um, but I have also been replaying Resident Evil Four mm-hmm. on hardcore. I'll probably do uh, professional too. <laughs> what have you? What did you think of playing through it? I. Okay, I'm a sucker for environment. Like, total sucker for environment. And I think that, like, both Resident Evil 8 Village um, and Resident Evil 4 have the same type of vibe, and I adore it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, no, Resident Evil 4 was really, really good, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially with... They just... Ugh, they just kill it with the environment. I can't get over it. I will gush mm. about it all day. Yeah, I think... I've kind of been playing this game in my head, where what's the game of the year besides Tears of the Kingdom? Because yeah. it's so obvious that it's Tears of the Kingdom. Right. Resident Evil 4 is that for me right now, mm. where... They're saying it's not even going to get nominated. Why? Like, just... Because just too much stuff? Well, yeah, it's just like there is... Because right now it's Baldur's Gate versus Tears of the Kingdom, mm. and... I'm trying to think of what else might go up there. I forgot what the other one was, but, like, they're just saying that Resident Evil... Starfield? Because I, I don't think, think Starfield Star- should be. I there, don't but think that's, either. But. We'll get to that conversation later. <laughs> Probably not this episode. Put, put it in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there was a couple more that I forgot, but I don't think that Resident Evil 4 is going to make. Because it's a remake? Like, well, that's where it gets complicated. Right, because Resident Evil 2 won as a yes. remake. And Tears of the Kingdom is a sequel, which also technically, like, kind of mm, yeah. shouldn't win Game of the Year. Yeah. But we're in, a, we're in a time where, like, remakes are. So good. <laughs> and, like, sequels are killing it. I think that's my also so. thing. Resident Evil 4, because I went, I went back and tried to play the old one. Um, and I think just with the, the revamp controls, how fluid it all feels and how intense it feels in the new one, um, where because you're not limited by the... I don't want to call them tank controls, yeah. but you aren't allowed to move and you have to stay in place, shoot, and then go up and kick. Because everything feels so fluid with the movement and the parry and stuff, and they throw in, like, 50 more enemies at you at once, <laughs> yes. it doesn't. It feels like a whole new experience, more like a reboot instead of a remake. And I've heard a lot of conversations yeah. about this. Um, so that's why, I, I mean, I don't necessarily care what the Game Awards say. Like, <laughs> for me, yes, it's going to be my Game of the Year outside of Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. because... Um, just because it was really good, and this is also my first time playing through Resident Evil 4, whether or not that's the remake or not. Mm. Um, but that's really interesting. Yeah, well, like, the the original, I don't know how far, did you finish it? Oh, no, I uh, <laughs> I played through, like, the village part, and I was yeah. like, that's why I started playing on Hardcore, because I played through the village, and I'm like, I am not enjoying this as much. Like... Resident Evil 4 and a lot of the earlier ones are, are more hokey. They're more yeah. fun because the horror aspect really can't be ramped up in that mm-hmm. type of, like, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, in the, the in limitations the old, yeah. that they had. Okay. Um, At the time, it was probably scary in a way that, like, old Resident Evil yeah. 2s, even though it's, like, blocky zombies, <laughs> is very terrifying. But now that we have more advanced technology that can simulate probably stuff that we don't want to see, <laughs> but... Makes it very terrifying. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more humor in it. It's a lot mm-hmm. more like, um, like old timey fun, funny puzzles kind of okay. from mm-hmm. what I remember. And so Resident Evil Four really does feel like a completely different game. Mm-hmm. It still keeps that fun stuff though, <laughs> that I love. What was the thing when you're fighting the the knights in the castle and he goes ninety nine? <laughs> I died. I was probably laughed at that for way too long. Yeah. I think. Because I played it with my roommate, and what she found really funny is like when you're jumping across the chandeliers, and like oh, yeah. she gets mad at you, and you're like, "What are you, my mom?" She was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> "Huh? Is this like I've never played a Resident Evil game? Is this the kind of game where it doesn't matter? There's no like 
connecting story between each game? Like, I could just jump straight into four, or is there, like, okay. a world around this? So, <laughs> so for, for definitely... What did I just ask? What did I just dive into? <laughs> for seven and eight, there definitely is a linear story that needs, mm-hmm. that probably you should play both of them. Yeah. The rest of them... Which is weird. <laughs> because seven and eight also bring in Chris Redfield, who shows up, I believe, in five yeah. and six. And is I in... I think he's the first... Is, is he in the first one? I think one? he's in the first one. I really want them to remake the first one. I know. Um, I don't know why they took over it. <laughs> they, no, they didn't. They just remade it in still oh, the yeah, it thing. And then with Resident Evil 2, they're like, let's change the entire game. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets complicated. Because have you have you played through some of the older ones outside of Resident Evil 4? No. Okay. Because <laughs> I haven't either. I've just been playing with the remakes. And for us new fans who haven't played the older ones, the story is very messed up mm. because they haven't remade the games that connect them together. Oh, okay. So, like, Code Veronica connects Jill Valentine, I believe, mm-hmm. with all the other stuff. Um, same thing with, I think it might connect, no, sorry. Code Veronica might connect Claire with more of the other stuff. I thought it was Jill. It is Jill? Okay. I think so. I hope so. I'll um, pretend I know Neither of us have played it. Please don't get mad. no idea. Um, because two and three both take place in Raccoon City. Mm. Four is a... I would say four is a direct sequel off of two. Okay. Because it still features Leon. Leon has been fucked up by what happened in two, and mm. that's why he's a goofball. How they explain it is that he showcases PTSD through dumb jokes. Okay, yeah. Which is very... In the, in the original one, they didn't necessarily... It wasn't as obvious, I feel mm. like. Mm. Now it is a little bit more obvious. Yeah. Um, and I think... So, yeah, I would say two is... Or four is a direct sequel off of two. Three didn't... I think three remake... People don't really play it. Like, I've played I like through three. it. Yeah. I like three. Not as much as the other ones. It's just a lot I, shorter. They cut a lot of mm-hmm. content. Um, but it's still... I, I played through it with low expectations because of all that. But I was like, this was a great 10-hour Resident Evil experience. I also played on the Steam Deck, just in between stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it had its moments, for sure. But it, it's not as good as two and four. Or seven. Or eight. <laughs> Which I was curious because because four and eight are very similar. Mm-hmm. I still eight had like some very slow moments in the story. It didn't really work for me in terms of the baby stuff. Oh yeah. Um, except for the one baby in the puppet house, oh, but we don't God. talk about that. That was so scary. <laughs> um, how, where does your ranking stand in terms of uh, if you can that's, decide? That's hard. Yeah. But I think. That that's really diff- this is gonna be controversial. I think I like eight more. Whoa! Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. Is part of that because it is more closely connected to seven, and like the story is so. a little bit more developed okay. than just like a one-off thing? Or? I love Leon with all my heart. Um, but like for four, you chose Ethan over Leon. I just I did. I really mm. like Ethan. I really like like I really like Ethan as as a character. I think because like Leon, I think Leon just makes me sad because like he doesn't actually want to be there okay. type thing, and so it just makes me sad like thinking that he has to go through all of this. <laughs> right. With Ethan, I think that like it's it's definitely a more emotional story of hmm. like you know the first one is he's just a. He's just a guy that's trying to go save his wife. And then in the end, he's like, he thinks that it's all done, and now his baby's gone. And it's just, yeah. I just, I like Ethan more as a character. 
I know. I'm, I'm holding back a lot. <laughs> valid, your opinions are valid. But in seven, I felt like that worked um, because the focus was less on Ethan as a character and more on the family. Mm-hmm. And I really seven is probably my second favorite behind seven Resident Evil Four. And I this is like as I'm replaying through four, I have discovered this because for me seven was like not touched. Seven was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now as I'm replaying through Resident Evil 4 and taking more time with it and taking, like, just soaking it all in, um, it just feels more fun for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But for 7, the focus is more on the family. I just find Ethan boring. I'm going to say it. Um. He's just generic, boring, like, uh, he gets his hand cut off and, like, (laughs) doesn't do much about it. Like, I think also part for me might be the first person versus third person. Okay. Yes. Because first person scares me a lot more. Yes. Which one's which? Uh... Eight is eight and seven are first person. Okay. The rest are third. And I will say seven is easily the scariest, hands down. Eight has the scariest moment. Okay. But it's it, it was so weird, and I think, I think that the scariest moment in eight works because the rest of it is more, like you, um, mm-hmm. how am I trying to put this? But you know what I'm talking yeah. about. We're like the rest is a little bit more action focused. Okay. And then out of nowhere, they take away all your stuff. Mm. I don't know if they actually do, but I no, none yeah, of all it, okay, your stuff yeah. is gone. You're all of your stuff is gone, and they put you flailing. in this insane haunted house that is yeah. the scariest thing ever. And then you're back into the action. So it just okay. it, takes them a little aside. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will agree. Seven, in terms of that first person perspective, makes it so much more terrifying. Mm. Um. It was hard to play through seven. <laughs> yeah, so for a softie <laughs> like me who hasn't played any of them before, I watch horror like movies, but I've never really okay. played like horror games much. Probably four would be a safer bet to start with, and then seven and eight afterwards if I enjoy it. Because two also scared the mm-hmm. living bejesus out of me. <laughs> because yeah. Two, in terms of that environment, four is a lot more open. It's a lot more action. I mm-hmm. compared four to the John Wick game. You are full on like (laughs) kicking people in the head, Mm. sumoing them. Like when you get into that rhythm, it feels a lot more of an action Doom game. Okay, yeah. For me, Um, because with Doom Eternal, I remember like I would get into just the the mode where like Mm -hmm. the heavy metal's blasting and I'm just killing demons left and right. (laughs) Because I played that on the hardest difficulty as well. Mm. Resident Evil Four felt a very similar where you just get into that zone. Two. It takes a lot more bullets to take down each zombie because I also played that on the hardest. I've been yeah. a Resident Evil kick right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I played through two on a hard difficulty as well. And it just, everything's slower, mm. takes more time. You also have Mr. X who's hunting you throughout most of it, um, which is terrifying because <laughs> he will just destroy you. Mm. Um, and what's even more difficult is you have to solve puzzles so you have quick times where it's like, okay, I have to do this, mm. and I hear his footsteps. I've got to do this in two seconds and then run away. Um, and you're in a building, too, so most of it is just, like, court close, hallways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And What's around the corner? windows. <laughs> windows, <laughs> windows are fucked up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, four is a good place to start off with because it is a good balance between action and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're feeling that vibe... Maybe go to two, seven, and eight feel a lot different in terms mm-hmm. of the first person perspective, but 
I think if I want a scare, I'll go to seven and eight and yeah. go because it's starting with seven yeah. for the, I, the full scare seven approach. Seven is like, I think the scare. I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't. I watch a lot of horror. I play a lot of horror games. Mm-hmm. I'm a scaredy cat, but I don't scream. Okay. Yeah. I scream. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to make sure I'm not playing it too late at night to where my neighbors yeah. will get concerned and call call the authorities. Yeah. I mean, I think I played seven during Halloween time because I wanted a spooky. Mm-hmm. Because I, I really like playing through, like, Little Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was my first introduction to horror games, and I've not really gotten into the world of horror movies. Mm-hmm. I am doing so soon. During the month of October, I've got, like, yeah. a whole list of things prepared. Um, I mean, for me, some of it's just watching Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, which aren't really <laughs> scary. They're kids' shows, you know. Right. But, I just but... watched Labyrinth, though. <laughs> What scene was it with the stupid red monkeys and they're kicking around their heads? Yeah. That was way more fucked up than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, Some good little body horror in there for yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not scary, but they're, yeah. a, they're a Halloween rewatch ritual yeah. for me. That's fun. I, Which I think we might talk those. about in another podcast. That's a great point. Yeah, well, a little bit of a tease for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that prepared. Um, but yeah, if you're ever... Because the weird thing about horror games... And this is why I'm always curious, like, why don't I watch more horror movies? Because Mm. everything that I've heard from people is that the games are a lot worse because when you're watching a movie and some guy comes up with a chainsaw, it's like, what will the character do? Mm -hmm. When you're playing a game, it's, what the fuck am I going to (laughs) do? Yes. Um, So I'm always... I'm interested to see going forward as I start watching more horror movies and compare the two experiences. Even in general, movies tend to be formulaic, you know, they follow a three-act structure and stuff. And so as soon as you've watched two or three horror movies, you can kind of guess where the jump scares will be yeah. easier and easier. So it's definitely, it, I've definitely gotten into an easier, like, safety zone with the movie. With games, it's definitely a whole different thing that, like, yeah. I haven't done that. I know the script's going to be different. I'm not going to have the same kind of, like, oh, I can expect this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be a more fun scare. If you end up doing it, I'm really excited to hear what you think. Okay, I'll record my screen. <laughs> yeah, I'm a control freak, so I think mm. that movies are a little more scary to me because okay. I can't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> you see the person doing the dumb shit, yeah. and you're just like, "What are you doing? Like, Stop this is not behind you while you're running. Just keep running." <laughs> yeah. But I will give Resident. I loved Resident Evil Four. Don't want to take that away oh, from course, anything. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. an amazing. I asked you which one favorite. you have to compare, and it's like yeah. comparing two amazing things. You exactly. Know? Who's your favorite child? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Resident Evil Four, I think, gave me I think a bigger scare than Eight did, though. Really? Yeah, the little the slithery guys, like slithery guys. like the guys that like. Uh, in where is it? It's like in the facility. Oh yes, type yes, thing. yes, yes. They were no. terrifying. I had to take no, no, a break. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Did you Absolutely learn how to not. beat them? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, it took me way too long to figure out how to beat them. And, and once they I did, started exploding. But yeah. You figure out how to beat them, and then they started exploding. <laughs> well, that was what was terrifying for me. Was like, for and I think that that part was masterfully done for someone who's just hopped into this experience because mm-hmm. for a long time you don't know how to beat them and you're like well shit these are the invincible guys like I just can't do anything once I figured that out I was like oh okay it takes away a little bit of the scare until they start exploding and then, I just you don't know. like how they slither it's not okay yeah. I'm reaching that point in this hardcore playthrough and I'm not looking forward to it See, I get scared enough with, I don't even remember the, hand, the names, but the hands in Tears of the Kingdom. The, the gloom the hands are the gloom terrifying. Hands. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get scared enough with just those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and what's the ones in Gerudo that have invaded? 
grew to town, uh, the new monsters, like Gibbons or something like that. Like, Some, oh, I think I know what you're talking the, about. The walking zombie type oh, guys. Oh, yeah, the skeletons. They're a yeah. common enemy. They're also an ocarina of time. Yeah. I'll Google. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's going to bug me for the next hour. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, uh, another code that we got... Um, moving away from Resident Evil, yep. assuming. Okay. Uh, another code that I got that I also didn't get a lot of time to mess around with, but I played a couple levels, uh, was Trey Pong. I believe it's either Trey Pong 2 or Trey Pong Squared. Um, it's a really good first-person military shooter game. Um, for those of you that really enjoy, like, the, the Call of Duty uh, campaigns, there's not too much going on story-wise, but in terms of the more movement and feel and combat base, there's a lot there. Um, I played it on a harder difficulty for like three or four missions um, before I felt I got a good feel for it. So if there's anything that happens past that point, feel free to let me know and I'll keep playing through it. Um, but it's just a really solid first-person shooter. The mechanics feel amazing. The AI, the enemy AI is some of the best that I've seen in terms of how they will go about combat experiences. Um, they're really good about, because they'll send entire groups at you, and they're really good about cornering you, um, and that's why I recommend playing on a harder difficulty, because that's when you get to see really a lot of the engineering stuff come into play. Um, outside of that, you've got a lot of cool mechanics in terms of like uh, invisibility things. You can do a little bit more of a stealth approach. They've got a variety of weapons to uh, do a bunch of different play styles, um, and I believe it's sitting at like a very positive on Steam for like mm. a good twenty five bucks. So. Um, if you're feeling like a good five to ten hour first person shooter campaign um, that you can just kind of blow through, feel very powerful, uh, <laughs> I recommend that. Um, like I said, I, I haven't gotten a chance to play through too much of it. Hopefully, I'll be able to get back to it. But 2023 has been absolutely crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, speaking of which, unless there's anything else that you guys want to. Just the quick go over. Gibdo. Yes. Gibdos, Gibdos yes. Okay. So that's pretty close, but. Because yeah. they're, they're Gibdo bones that do a lot of damage yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of 2023, being insane here for games, mm-hmm. despite everything else that's been coming out, this little game that no one had really heard of outside of it being a very poor early access mm-hmm. came out. <laughs> Uh, Two years of me having the early access you, that's experience. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Baldur's Gate. I, I will say we are talking about Baldur's Gate now. Buckle up. Um, I haven't played it. I've been watching a bunch of playthroughs. I just I'm a little nervous to buy it when yeah. I've got capstone and stuff going on. I don't <laughs> want it to consume my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where do you guys want to start? Um, I wanted to say because. Regardless of what Jackson says, it's going to be game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The moment that you... <laughs> Wait, so that's a good question. Tears of the Kingdom versus Baldur's Gate. I hear a lot of people are going Baldur's Gate. I think I'm leaning towards Baldur's Gate as well. Kind of. Honestly, oh, yeah. spur of the moment decision with that of because course. of what you said earlier of it's not a sequel, it's not a remake. It is... Well, actually, it is. It, it, is, it is Baldur's Gate it's, 3. Yeah. I guess it's okay, not... Okay, who played Baldur's Gate 1? it's not yeah. a sequel. It's a different story. It's a different... It's own story. Okay. It's and its also, own world, too. Okay. 1 and 2 are in, incredibly old mm-hmm. in terms of, like, yeah, it took, what, eight years between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, but yeah. it's still within the same game system. <laughs> yeah. Golly. Six yeah. years. Six years. Six years. That's okay. right. Yeah. Still, that's all... I was in high school. Yeah, Middle but, school. But it's, it's run Sorry, on the same game system, though. Yeah. Compared to Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 are 
bird's eye view, very pixelated graphics. Like they mm -hmm. feel very different compared to what Baldur's Gate yes. 3 is, even just graphically. So yes, it's a sequel, but it's a little bit different type of a sequel. And like Tears of the Kingdom, I played Tears of the Kingdom too. Okay. Great, awesome. great game. Mm -hmm. I love, yes. Um, but Baldur's Gate is just really, really special. And I think it's it does a lot of things for the gaming community that Tears of the Kingdom, like it's re it revolutionizes a lot of things in mm -hmm. a way that like Tears of the Kingdom kind of didn't. I mean, they had their whole industrial revolution. <laughs> <laughs> but that was building on top of the great mechanics mm -hmm. from Breath of the Wild, whereas yeah. Baldur's Gate yeah. is introducing so many amazing mechanics. Just, just from a standpoint of a role-playing game, Zelda games, you're playing as Link. You're role-playing as Link. The dialogue mm -hmm. options, there are some, but they don't really change the story. Yes. You don't, it doesn't change anything. And in terms of revolutioni revolutionizing stuff, Tears of the Kingdom was the perfect chance to let us play as Zelda. To have, instead of Link falling down, or Zelda falling down the hole, just have it flip around. It was the perfect time to do it, but it's still, you play as Link. Yeah. And I was really disappointed yeah. to not be able to play as Zelda. I thought that they were going to do it, and you mm -hmm. get to play Zelda in the older stuff, and they do some sort of time stuff akin yeah. to the timeline, but it's still great. It's, it's just like, yeah. yeah. I but agree. it's just another Zelda game, though. As great as it is, it doesn't change a formula that much. It doesn't really break any boundaries, whereas Baldur's Gate, like you were saying, it definitely changes things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, because also with, like, Tears of the Kingdom, I was kind of hoping that, like, more, like, sky stuff. Mm -hmm. There I was guess. not a lot. Yeah. I still, I'll still hop in, explore for two hours, like, that's my go-to yeah. mm -hmm. just game for that, but there's definitely not as much sky stuff, mm -hmm. sky stuff yeah. as I want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Back to Lake Baldur's Gate. Oh my, like, not only does almost every single like dialogue option have an impact on the game, to whether it's minor or major, yeah. is is insane. And the seventeen thousand potential endings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I uh -huh. heard that, and I thought that it was. Uh, I thought it was bullshit too. Bullshit. <laughs> well, you just think about mathematics of. You have your character. Tav is kind of mm -hmm. the default name that they call it because that's the name it yeah. just defaults to. Then you have six companions that you can have with you. Yeah. You can make each of them well, play any. I think there's more than that after Act One. Just, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Hate to spoil it. I've heard a lot of people yeah. where it's like six. I'm in Act Three and I have yeah. however many number they don't spoil it. So let's just say Act yeah. One numbers alone. That's already seven different people, seven different pathways. Just going to like the Druid Grove. Mm -hmm. Just that alone, you've already got an exponential amount of different possibilities of how you can take the story. Yeah, and, like, with your character relations, I mean, mm -hmm. every single one of them has at least a minimum of two different branches that they can go down, yeah. and that drastically changes the story. Just so many little avenues that you can go through. I think that 17,000 is probably an accurate number. Yeah. Um, and Raphael will just show up at one point. And is like, oh, this is just some random <laughs> thing. This isn't. This isn't going to come into impact later, but it does. Yeah, it, does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. I think that's what I'm so like. Because yesterday in our meeting, we were just talking about it, and Sierra hadn't come across Gail. Was that the name? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I, I've actually had a lot of friends who pass over the like intro these huge spot things. Of Gale. For, like as someone looking in. I've heard Gale a lot. Yeah. For many reasons. He's on the poster <laughs> of the game. Yeah. The idea that you just sometimes, like, people are, like, not 
encountering these what sound to me like major events in the story is crazy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was playing with my friends because uh, I like you can do, and that's another thing. You can do multiplayer and mm-hmm, single player. Right. So much potential. You can play as your character or as any of the origin characters mm-hmm. and play through their story. Or darker. It's Dark it's Urge. a lot. Um, but when I was playing with them, we were like getting getting into it. We got into the druids cup, and I was like, oh my god, we don't have Lazel. We need to go back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't want Gale around, if you want to just leave him behind, play the Dark Urge, because then you have the fun option of chopping off his hand, because he's, I'll spoil, like, his intro, like, yeah. he's stuck in a portal, like, a oh. waypoint thing, and he's reaching out his hand, he's like, okay. hey, can someone pull me out? Someone help me. If you play the Dark Urge, you can just chop it off and leave him there. <laughs> Carry a, a hand in your inventory for the rest of the game. Because, I mean, like I've said, mm-hmm. I'm new to Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and all of that. Everything that I've heard is the amount of stuff that you can do so akin. Like, of course, it's not going to be able to replicate the same freedom you have with Dungeons and Dragons. Right. But they're pretty darn close. Oh, yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, you can be as much of an asshole, like, yep. as you want. Like, even, because, like, with D&D, there's a thing that I, I was kind of hesitant about this game, because D&D is such a free-form mm-hmm. thing. And a major thing that a lot of D&D players is, like, you're an asshole, not to the people around you, but to, like, the DM, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can do that stupid shit like mm-hmm. to the AI like yeah. Yeah. to the story and I think that's perfect I mean I remember of course when the game came out there were a bunch of very notable clips that came out whether it's the kicking the squirrel part um, yeah. but the one that I saw was Matt Mercer mm. putting all of the boxes to get over some castle <laughs> yes. and the, the game developer that's with him is like that's actually genius you just avoided like a lot of really frustrating story bits I guess is what he was yeah. going to say yeah um, and that's when I was like, okay, there's something special going on with this game. Mm-hmm. That they just let you do that, yeah, first yeah. of all. That's because a lot of games, a lot of it, like we're playing, or I've been playing through Starfield a little bit, mm-hmm. as I've said. There's not a lot of freedom as to what you can actually do yeah. in this RPG where they want you to role play a character. Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate sounds like there's just so much freedom. And back to the 17,000 different endings, like. That's very true. In D&D, you have an alignment. You can be, like, lawful or chaotic, neutral, or good, evil, and then neutral. And so that's nine more options. So oh, yeah. that's nine different playthroughs you can have just on your own character, whether I'm going to be neutral, I'm going to be good, evil, yeah. lawful, chaotic. And the dialogue options feel very fleshed out of yeah. they let you go on any of those branches. And, mm. I mean, just, like, on a game design standpoint, to be able to have that many dialogue options that mean that much to the story mm-hmm. is... I mean, it's a big file, yeah. but it is not that big of a file. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like 100 gigs. At Which, least it was on mine. Yeah. Um, that and, sounds right. And Call of Duty is like, what, 100? Star Wars Jedi Survivor, all of shout out, is 150. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like... I, I, I guess I don't re- remember the size because I've had it for two years just yeah, all eating up yeah. that space anyway. Well, I was curious, <laughs> so. since you've played through the early access stuff, mm-hmm. what's... I guess what's been the journey with all of that and how often have you been able to check out stuff going into this? And now that it's huge and everyone's... Mm. I, I remember a lot of Larian employees were like, well, yeah, we're not salty that people didn't call it out during the early access stuff because no one knew what we had. No one knew yeah. what we were creating sort of stuff. It's, so I bought it early access and... I 100% support that decision just for the character creation menu. Yeah. Like, yeah. that, I, it was already worth the price mm-hmm. from the get-go two, three years ago, whenever it was. Um, 
And you essentially had probably like 80% of Act 1 available to play. You kind of got up to a point that's like you got blocked off. And I played through what you could, explored every branch, every tree um, with my main playthrough. And now that I'm playing it again, I'm kind of recreating that same character, same kind of playthrough, playing the same ranger, same name kind of idea. Um, and that was really fun. And then I kind of just let it sit until they released, I think it was the Bard first, maybe it was the Druid first, but they released like the new class that you can mm-hmm. play as. And so I'd play it again, try out the new class, new spells. Um, and it was always fun, but I tried not to overplay it because okay. I knew that this is a game I'm going to obsess over and play over so and that over again. even from early access. Absolutely. Wow. Like, part of that's just because I'm a D&D nerd. Yeah. And part of that is, like, this game has so many options. Even from the beginning, the romance trees, the dialogue options were already, like, as good as they are with the final release. Mm-hmm. You didn't know where it was going to go, how yeah. it was going to pay off. So it was very much... Undersatisfying because I'm like, oh, I want to know what happens, but I could tell it had a good setup that it was going to be a very polished. It feels like a a very well polished D and D module, mm-hmm. like you know, Wizards yes, of the Coast. They'll put out module books that, right. and then the DM will go through and learn and run it for as a campaign. Mm-hmm. It feels like that times a hundred. Just it's fully mm-hmm. fleshed out, all the details. Right. The only thing that gets repetitive is I know where the combat encounters are. I know the maps. Yep. But, I was going to ask about that, yeah. So that's the only thing I'd say is unfortunate when I replay is I know the maps, I know the scenarios, but you always have a different team with you. And this game, the AI, kind of similar to you were saying to the other game, the AI is really good. They nice. know how to target the weak characters. They know how to take your healers down. They know if you do something wrong, the game will punish you really fast, and a combat could be going really well, and then you'll roll a two and a four and a five in a row, and it's over. All, yeah. You've got two characters dead. You're out of scrolls of Rosify. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah, I know the combat encounter, but it's always still just as fun because it's so chaotic. It's mm-hmm. like the nature of D&D. You're rolling the dice. It can go so many different ways. So even though I know the monsters, yeah. It's still very, very yeah. fun. One, <laughs> speaking of combat, though, yeah. <laughs> one of the things about D&D and, like, the way that I would, me and my friends would play it is very much like a, you know, players versus DM type thing yeah. of how much bullshit can we get away with mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> like, very hostile work environment. Um, <laughs> like, so, like, one of the things, I know that I don't think that you have gotten this far, so I'm not going to, like, fine. I'm just, the basic thing is in some combat things, you don't have to fight them at all mm-hmm. you can just convince them to kill themselves which mm-hmm. is or like be like no we're best friends and they're like yeah we're best friends and the game will just tell it's an option for you to do that mm-hmm. and the game will just totally let you do that and they just join your party or they're like no, I'll just head up well like yeah. <laughs> like one of them just kills himself <laughs> oh, which yeah. is fine it's not like that bad yeah. he, he responds later mm-hmm. um, uh huh right because <laughs> even I, I'm blanking on the name it's not Mazora because that's Will's no, thing, but what's the drow that's at the goblin camp? It's, oh god, it's an, it's Mithra, an M, it's Minthra, something. Minthara, it's, yeah, Minthara, I, think. I don't know. But even that is, could be an enemy, could be an ally, mm-hmm. depending on how you play the game. Yes. And that's a whole combat that you mm-hmm. may have to deal with, may not have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just found that really funny, and so d and I'm just yeah. like... You don't want to fight. Like, this was a big boss, too. (laughs) Like, this is, like, not, like, main story important, but, like, side story important. And you can just be like, sorry. Well, what if you just, like, 
killed all your friends. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that because... called off your whole war campaign. <laughs> <laughs> well, how often can you, similar to D&D, where I think about how yesterday when we were playing, we ended up avoiding all of the combat, which mm. was really fun from a, a player perspective. Yeah. Um, can you do that similar thing with Baldur's Gate? I think in theory you can do full pacifist. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think huh. so. Would you, I guess going into my second question, with the combat, which is more turn t- uh, tech, or what do you call that? Turn based, but the mm-hmm. tile, tile based. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. How would you guys, because I've been hearing a lot of compliments in terms of the dialogue and all the creative stuff you can do with the story. How is the combat playthroughs? Are those fun as well? Mm-hmm. I was really nervous about the combat because yeah. I'm not a big PC player. Yeah. I'm mm. a big console player. Um, but I got this on PC, and I was like, that looks really annoying. Like, from, <laughs> like, just, like, the screenshots that I saw, I was like, that looked exhausting. That's mm. what I'm thinking, too. It's so easy to yeah. use. It is so simple. Like, it's it's good. It's okay. really good combat system. Definitely learn how to organize your hotbar. There's a little hotbar down at the bottom, and you can sort it by actions, bonus actions, standard zone, like stuff that comes from your class, your race. You should and put push as high as possible from what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and push as a bonus action is so evil, but <laughs> I love it. Like, especially when you're playing with friends. Yes. We were you doing... push your friends. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> there, there's friendly fire. And so we're doing a combat in... I, I won't say the name just for spoiler reason. Well, is it the Grimforge? That's the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that combat around the Grimforge, there's lava yeah. involved, there's platforms. And, of course, we were shoving each other into the yep. lava. We were turning it on and off on each other. Like, it's chaotic. The NPCs will shove you, too. And it is yep. the most frustrating thing ever because you will be Is that based off of it. your relationships with them, or are they just, no, like... No, like, the, you're the enemies. Sorry. Oh, um, okay. Enemies yeah. will just shove you. I thought yeah. you were talking about your party members. I'm like... They could. If you really got be. your party member mad enough that they like, toss you in lava, because I'm assuming that's, like, pretty yeah. close to instant death, that would be hilarious. That I mean, so the spider combat that's underneath mm-hmm. the Blighted Village. I saw that combat. It's multi-tiered. Mm-hmm. The spiders can jump around their phase spiders so they can just phase in and out to different areas. And they don't push, but that is how I survived that combat was breaking the bridges and pushing them <laughs> off. And it's like getting all those babies away from me. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's a great mechanic. It's very fun. And as a longtime D&D player... I was nervous of, there are so many rules. Mm-hmm. There are so many if, ands, and buts that the DM has to make decisions and calls for where they're like, oh, does that work? Does that not work? They translated it over very well. Yes. Of It feels like D&D. If you know how to play D&D 5e going into the game, it's as close as you can yeah. get to a one-to-one translation. Yeah. And so like it'll be very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> the spells, I'm sure. Yeah. That's actually part of... Just the logistics regions, they had to cut cut it off at level twelve mm-hmm. because those higher level spells from twelve to twenty. There's how do you program wish the spell where you can literally oh. just say I want this to happen <laughs> if I roll well you enough. Type it in. <laughs> I want this to happen. It gets sent to this one programmer that's yeah. always working. They quickly have to program in a new ending for you, making the seven thousand and one ending yeah. because you cast the wish spell. Like yeah, yeah. So obviously they had to cut some things out and they changed spells to work, but it's it's very one to one. Yeah, no, it's, and, but also, saves coming, yes. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys good for, say, like, I've heard, of course, there's always the conversation with every single thing mm. for saves coming. I'm, uh, we're just going to be controversial this episode. If you're not saves coming, you're miserable. Yes. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> Especially with, like, my main playthrough where I'm very precious about 
how I want to role play the character. I want to explore the dialogue trees just for my own curiosity's mm-hmm. sake, but also it will be someone will get offended by something just because, you know, you didn't know about their backstory, and so they'll yeah. kind of be upset by it. Like, I save scum those because I do... I'm not a purist, per se, and never want to cause harm. Like, I accept when I make foul steps in a conversation mm-hmm. and get someone upset, but okay. save scumming, that allows me to be like, okay, yeah, that all makes sense. What, how do I want to role play this specific character? Mm-hmm. And then also just in terms of combat, you have to save Skull. I think about it with Fire Emblem. I save Like, if I lose yeah. one person, I'm like, I'm not going through with this. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> going back, yeah. I just made a dumb call. Let's go back one turn or just start it yeah. over again to see what happens. Well, it's like it, the game doesn't even like discourage save scumming. Mm-hmm. If you die, it's mm-hmm. like just load up your net, like your last file. Right. It's asking you like mm-hmm. go back. It's just I spent seventy dollars on this <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. I'm gonna be. You're happy. gonna enjoy it the way we want to enjoy it. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna be happy. Although, isn't there a difficulty one where they will delete your character if you die once? Did I hear that? Or maybe that's a mod. I don't, I don't know. know if there I is think that per- there is. I think there. I think There's like the very one. hardest option is. Yeah, the tactician. Yes, okay. death. Which, if you have fun with that, sure. I have like a, a humanity in life. I guess I don't. <laughs> I would be dead in probably twenty minutes. Like yeah. That, I don't know how good for you guys if you guys can get <laughs> all the way through it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely on my my side playthroughs. Dialogue, I'm a little bit less safe scummy, but combat is still just, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, instead of having to go through your entire two-hour session that you were playing and you die in one combat and you have to replay the whole thing again, like, it's just, yeah, you have to do it. And I mean, also, like, when you play multiplayer, mm. um, if you don't safe scum as much, if not, yeah. we, we did safe scum once, but that was to get the owl bear, and I think that yeah. was necessary. My the cub must survive. You, you <laughs> That's hilarious. I just was, so I've been watching the group that I follow a lot that I probably mention on every single games podcast I'm on, uh, Kind of Funny, has been doing a playthrough of Baller's Gate, except they're like role-playing their characters in really dumb ways. One of them has a relationship with their flute that gets very hot and heavy. <laughs> yeah. One of them hates their dad because he had sex with the guy who's got a relationship with his flute, so it gets okay. very <laughs> funny to listen to. Yeah. They killed the owl bear in the last thing. <gasps> And they had no idea what they were doing, and they're not safe scumming. But I think it's no. so funny because I've also heard that the owl bear has one of the most powerful moves, which is the WWE like <laughs> it goes down or something <laughs> like that, right? Owl bear yeah. from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use them in combat because it makes me sad. Oh, okay. They just kind of run. <laughs> they just kind of run around yeah. camp. I'm a ranger. I'm. I, I didn't choose the animal, uh, the Beastmaster, where you can mm-hmm. have the animal companion. I'm a hunter, but it's definitely they're they're safe at camp. They yep. they can stay safe at camp. They're not coming to fight with me. My other playthroughs, I'll I'll use it. But have you talked to them with animal speaking? Yes, <laughs> they're so cute. Yeah, like the owl bear is just like you're not food. Yeah, you're Aww. a friend. And I was like yes. It's finding Nemo. And then you got friends a dog. Yeah, and of course I know about the dog. Scratch and the owl bear cub are best friends yes. as well. It's so cute. <laughs> Because yeah, they have to be. I maybe should have. I should have stepped out because now I really want to go home. Mm-hmm. And you out should. This, this again. Should. This is an intervention for Jack. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I just started up Cyberpunk for another playthrough. I can't add another game. But you can, should. I though. should I buy it on PC or PS5? PC. 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 Okay, that's what I thought. I'm gonna buy it on PS5 again later when I have more money after this year, <laughs> because I want to see just how the game mechanics work on PS5. I guess you could just plug in your PS. 
five controller, but I don't know what else would like, change. Yeah. That's the biggest thing, though, that, like... And I've heard it's a good port, I will say that. Like, it's really? 60 okay. frames consistently, mm-hmm. looks really good, which I don't know how my PC will... I'll have to look up how my PC will handle that, mm-hmm. but... For me, it's mostly a quality of life thing of the PC options of having quick hotkeys, the organization True. of the hotbar is so much better than, uh, like, yeah. wheel options of, you know, using the joystick. Like, that. like, it just... It feels way more clunky. You have less sorting options. Like, that alone is a reason for me have, to say PC. I'm probably going to do PC. Like, you guys yeah. convince me. Mm-hmm. I have heard that the controller support is really good. If anyone is deciding to play it on PS5 or Xbox when it does come out, I think mm-hmm. later this year. I thought it already did. It came out already. It came yeah. out on, like, the 9th of the Oh, you're right. Little, they just had to that. do... Because they, they were struggling with Series S support for mm. multiplayer split screen. Okay. And I think what they did was met with Phil Spencer. And Phil Spencer was like, we really want this game. Mm. Remove the um, split screen on Series S. And I think they just put it out. Okay. So I think you're right. Or they are putting it out soon. At least um, it did for PS5. Yeah. I'm not an Xbox mm-hmm. person. So. Nor am I. Um, but I agree. The console support and even just the controller like support... Good. Is good. Like, my friend plays it okay. on, like, Porsche, who joined, plays oh, yeah. it on, uh, well, I guess it is PC, but still with the controller. So it all still works. It's just, yeah, I'm biased. <laughs> it's so impressive. I'm, like, just with, again, I'm just going to gush about gush, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so impressive that not only did it work so well on PC when it really probably should have, <laughs> but, like, now that like the port is also like not a total disaster jeez mm-hmm. you guys put a lot of work and effort well this gets me thinking leaning away towards Baldur's Gate and the um impressions it's gonna have on the community and the industry mm-hmm. as at large I was talking to my friend who was like oh my gosh you don't understand Baldur's Gate is gonna set the new standard for games I'm like Yes. Also, this game took 12 years to create. I don't know if it should set the standard because that's unrealistic in my yeah, mind. I've heard a lot of the same of it's and a high bar, it's unrealistic standards, but it also has that, changed things. And so yes. closer and closer we get to that. That cool. being said, I've had a lot of industry friends who are like, yeah, I've heard that a lot of developers are mad because it sets unrealistic standards. Right. We're. I, I want to... I'm not, like, a professional game developer. I'm working on it, slowly getting in there. <laughs> at the end of the day, all we care about is playing good games. Yeah. We don't look at it as a form of competition, at least. I don't. Congratulations. They made this amazing game. If I look at it and, like, I get inspiration off of it, mm. that's perfect. Um, I do want it to set the And this is also what gets in my head of, like, as developer development cycles get longer and longer mm. to get 10 to 12 years, that's where indie games can step in. Yes. Mm. And sustain gamers who have too much money in their wallets or not enough money in their wallets to play stuff in between. Um, I don't know. That gets into another conversation. I've heard that a lot between my circle and just the industry at large. At the end of the day, we're just happy that there's so many incredible games. We're having fun. We're gamers just like everyone else. I feel like it's more important that the developers have appropriate work conditions and work hours and pay and compensation. That is much bigger issue than just whether it's an all-top-selling game or if it's an indie game. Like, have fun with the games you play, but as long as the developers are sane and not in un- unsavory work conditions and all that. Yeah. I think the standards that Baldur's Gate are going to set is going to be for the major, like, mm-hmm. major. Yes. In two factors, I think dialogue, the way that 
Mm. Baldersgate handled style because India does great at handling dialogue mm. in the matter of choices and like impacts. I think that like most indie games, they put a lot of thought into that mm. because a lot of players like that. Yeah. Bigger games. Yeah. No. Yeah. They tell you a story that they've yeah. already yeah. T- like developed. I mean, I've been then, thinking about. Starfield versus I've been playing an indie game called Sea of Stars mm. and the writing and story and dialogue is I'm, I'm gonna say it way better in Sea of Stars yeah. Sea of Stars is a much better game than Starfield in my mind and it is a smaller indie game versus what a bigger more like what you said like mm-hmm. yeah and I think that was kind of the thing of like you like all the indie games are focusing on dialogue and but like the bigger industries are like that's an indie thing mm-hmm. you know like that's mm-hmm. what they do but then like Baldur's Day Gate comes out and people are like this is what we wanted and they're like fuck maybe we have to <laughs> send them now guess we gotta do that yeah <laughs> but I think also is like in terms of release like there was the early release mm-hmm. had like pro- like they troubleshot it but mm-hmm. when it was actually released the game was solid yep. it was yep. playable it was yep. it was fun like there were a few bugs and people yeah. understood and but the the hotfix came out real fast. Yes. Yeah. It gets me thinking a lot about the, there's a Washington Post article that came out about Cyberpunk, and yeah. it was like, mm-hmm. similar to Baller's Gate, Cyberpunk's been in early access for two years, and we're going to treat it like this is the release. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't, this also happened with Hades, where that's that was an early access, Hades 2 is going to be an early access. I don't see why we don't do early access more, and I, honestly, it gets me thinking of like, Imagine what Cyberpunk's story would have been mm-hmm. if yeah. instead of coming out, it said, hey, we're going to take a couple years. And now that it's out and it's the game that it wanted to be, at least for me hopping in for a couple hours last night, Yeah. I don't know. The story would have been so much more yeah. interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, Cyberpunk. <laughs> we all know <laughs> how that went. game so much. But it was a disaster. It was, really, it was bad. really bad when it first came out. And I think it was, yeah, like a lot of big game companies don't just want to push released like mm-hmm. they just want to get it out when they get it out and don't care about yeah. the actual quality of the game well for we were having a talk in my class about this for cd project red uh according to my teacher and a couple other industry folks cd project Red was going broke and so they had mm-hmm. to put out the game and kind of get in the money from all of the pre-orders to then and i think at that point they knew because they hired on a new producer and a new director who was going to make what I'm going to call Cyberpunk 2.0 and Phantom Liberty the true experience, mm. getting all the money. And it sounds very shady. Yeah. It's yeah. obviously worked now, but I don't think that should happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Even with Starfield, I haven't played that myself, but my friends online have talked about it. And, like, there's just the classic T-pose glitches still <laughs> out and about. You'll turn around, your party is just standing there. Like, it looks awful people. on PC as well. Yeah. I don't have, like, my PC's... Very standard, mm-hmm. but I was hoping to be able to play this experience on PC, and I can't. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's not good. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Pokemon it's very too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, yeah. great game, loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was not a complete game no. when it came out, and it's probably not going to be because it's of how never they going were. to be. And, they never updated. <laughs> and honestly, like I love Pokemon. That is my childhood, mm-hmm. and so the games are very nostalgic, but. It just looks like it was made out for the Nintendo 64. The yeah, graphic, so like, true. the models for the Pokemon are cool. I don't think they needed to add textures. I just think they look a little funky. But the trees out in the wild area and everything like mm. that, like, it just looks like it was made for 64. Like, I've I go back and play, I, I play Ocarina of Time, and yeah. it looks the same quality. Pokemon Sun and Moon mm. looked better than yep. that one did. I have that on my Steam Deck, and it looks amazing. Even Pokemon Sun and Moon is great. It's the best yep. Pokemon game. <laughs> <laughs> Even Legends, Arceus Legends, and mm-hmm. Sword and Shield yep. looked better yes, than Scarlet and Violet, which 
you would think there'd be a natural progression forward, not not backwards. Scarlet and Violet, I think, was just too ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just tried to push too many new mechan- like open world a little farther than yeah. it could go. Um, which is fine. You guys can try again in another <laughs> what, like three, two years. Yeah, because they're not doing the yearly thing anymore, right? They do. They a new Pokemon like generation oh. comes oh. out every four years. Yeah, but there's still there's pretty close to a yearly release of like DLC, it used to be the dungeons, DLC, yeah. the dungeon. What do they call the, the yeah, Pokemon? Yeah, just dungeons. Yeah, the, the dungeon Pokemon series. Dungeons. Pokemon Snap. I saw. Snap. Um, the, the the remakes and stuff. So there's still like a yearly yep. game usually. Yeah. But. I have one more selling point. This is jumping back a little bit. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, jump back to Baldur's Gate. I'm going to fix this first. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, it's my knee that keeps bumping into it. I know. My knee keeps, I think my knee keeps bumping into it and moving it on yeah. your side. But to jump back to the debate of Game of the Year and Baldur's Gate versus Tears of the Kingdom, my final selling point is you can pet the dogs in Baldur's Gate. You can't pet the dogs in Tears of the Kingdom. So stupid. I hate that. Even in the capstone game that I'm making, yeah. we're going to be able to pet the dog. Yeah. I will tell you that. We have an idea for a dog based off of our whole capstone because now that we're the division of games, mm-hmm. acronym is dog. We're all putting the Ludo dog, as we've called them, in mm-hmm. our game. You will be able to pet the dog. Yes. Why can't you do it in Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> Mental health is very important, yes. and being able to give a little dog some scritchins is so wonderful. Every time I go to camp, I give Scratch some, yeah. some scratches. <laughs> Even better, you can pet, like, there's there's an achievement where you can pet both the owl bear and the dog at the same time. Yep. It's like you have two hands for a reason. That's what it's, that's what it's called. And they have a full achievement for it because they, so they understand the importance. Like, my, my D&D campaign that I run yeah. is based in the world of Critical Role. It's the module that they put out, oh, yeah. the Call of the Netherdeep. And, I mean, again, I'm a softie. I, I pull some of my punches at times, but they have now collected four party pets that they have. That yes. were, some of them were intended as party pets. Some of them were not. But from the very first session, the shark that they were supposed to attack was just a shark. Like, it was just meant to be, like, an animal. Sounds <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have already collected the very Yay. first yeah. seat of a party pet for the Monster of the Week game. That we were supposed to kill. But a very fine. dangerous party but pet. But they took that shark and they did some druid magic on it, and now it's literally just Jeff the Land Shark from Marvel. Like, yeah, it, it, I was it, about it, to say that. Yeah, it's Jeff the Land Shark. And so that was our first party pet from the very beginning. So, yes, in the D&D community, in the world of mental health, let us pet the animals that yes. you put in your games. <laughs> so yeah, that's my that's why it's going to be game of the year for me. I'm gonna Baldur's be honest. Let's I know I don't dog. have time. I, I probably don't have money, but I'm probably gonna buy it when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll stint you half fifty percent just to works. speed the addiction. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, any uh, closing thoughts? I guess on Baldur's. Yeah, I know we can talk about it for probably hours. Uh, yeah, I just think like. If you have the time or the money, like it's it's good. It's it, it can consume you. That is very. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. But I also could use a. But yeah. also the thing is, is that it won't completely. Like I'm mm. busy as all get out, and I can still just go home and play it for an hour, yeah. and it just makes you happy. Um, it's pretty easy to pick up and play too. Like obviously, you can have full sessions where you d- deep dive into it, but it's. Thanks to saves coming. Like, yeah. you can yeah. just, you can stop at any point. It's like any other game. Like, you don't have to, like, 
your mom yelling at you, turn that game off. We've got to go to dinner. Like, no, I can't save you. Like, I'm it's an not adult like, now, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> yeah, like, for, for people at home, I think, like, D&D can be a – it's getting more popular, mm. but it's definitely a daunting thing to get into. You need friends, and most of your friends have probably already played it. Like, it's, One of those friends has to be the DM. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Which a, is a lot. <laughs> for an expensive price, um, I think it's a really good way to get mm. in and just enjoy yourself and experience all that D and D has has to offer that mm-hmm. makes has made people love it for so long. Yeah, and, and you don't have to learn all of the stuff that's associated with no. that. It's just very easy to hop in. Okay. You just yeah. get to play. And yeah. scheduling is the number one curse for D and D. Getting everybody <laughs> together with their schedules? school and work schedules. And so with this, it's your own. It's your own game. It's your own campaign. You can play when you want, and that's very relaxing because D and D is a constant little obsessive thought and so being able to scratch that whenever I want of just playing it is wonderful yeah cool well you sold me I probably (laughs) will see what I I've I've been it's been on my list for a while Mm -hmm. um even yeah we'll see what I do and we'll have to see whether you where you rank it of Tears of the Kingdom versus Baldur's that's the thing is everyone even so one of my most or like one of the I guess game journalists YouTubers whatever that Mm -hmm. I really value is skill up and even him, like, hands down is like, oh, yeah, no, it's Baldur's Gate. Yeah. And I was like, but just two months ago, you were talking about <laughs> yeah. how Tears of the Kingdom would not be talked by anything. Yeah. And a lot of people are in that same boat. And also, I think we talked about this a little bit in our episode. Yeah, I was going to say. Tears of the Kingdom has not left as much of an impact on me as Breath of the Wild did. Mm-hmm. And even, like, a couple months later, like, I'm still hopping into it. Yeah. But it's not... It's a really good successor. It's got a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I put 100 hours into it within, like, the first month, Yeah. you know? But at the end of the day, it is just a sequel. Mm-hmm. It is more Breath of the Wild with the building mechanics are amazing. Right. There's so much stuff to do. Like, there's so much stuff to do. But I've heard that there's more stuff to do in Baldur's Gate. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... Just what a year this has been that you can have mm-hmm. two games like yeah. Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate come out at the same time mm-hmm. because it is insane that yeah. this is a conversation happening because separated by years, both games would win hands oh, down. Easily, yeah. Hands down. They might need to do a um, co-award this year, a, a split award. <laughs> we well, couldn't decide either, think, so we just gave it to both. <laughs> I think that's my thing of like, and I've heard, I think, Past, like, my knowledge of games, Mm -hmm. um, I really hopped in around 2017 where I was, like, super invested into the whole games industry. 2017 was amazing, but I think for sure we knew Breath of the Wild was going to win. Super Mario Mm -hmm. Odyssey was great. Persona Mm -hmm. 5. Okay, I'm not going to get into that conversation. (laughs) Um, 2018 was a similar boat between, like, Red Dead Redemption 2 versus God of War. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's always that clear winner, I feel like, with all of those. Even 2019, 2022, or 2020... With this year, there's not a clear winner, which is always cool, and I love when that happens, because um, it just means that we're in a great space. And also, the fact that there's been so many games coming out from, like, the fact that we talked about Resident Evil 4 just a second ago. Um, still in January, we had Hi-Fi Rush, which is something that I really love, uh, just a small little indie game. Um, I don't know. Jedi Survivor came out this year as well, yeah, and that's, God. like, my favorite Star Wars one. experience. Mm-hmm. That was oh, another up and runner for yeah. Game of the Year. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite Star Wars experience so mm-hmm. far. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, Andor, and then Survivor, I should say. Yeah. But the fact that we've had all of these things, and yeah, it's been crazy, and my wallet's showing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say also with Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate, like, 
I'm taking my time with it. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't beaten either. I haven't even gotten past Act 1, honestly, in Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. Like, I have been so slow because there's such great games that just really del- Because they are so mm-hmm. good and polished, you can just dive in, explore every nook and cranny, just sit there listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Both sound... Thank you, Baldur's Gate, for releasing your soundtrack because... Yes. Yeah, it's great. Tears That's of the Kingdom, amazing. Zelda... I don't open Nintendo's so dumb. Just about let this me stuff. listen to the songs. Like I just I have to I go to a it. YouTube video and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. But I, well, like you can just sit there and listen to the environments, yeah. the music mm-hmm. for hours for me. Like it's both of them are just such great games to spend as much time as you want with. Like and I definitely think with Baldur's Gate, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna mm-hmm. take my time because, like I said, Tears of the Kingdom. It, Overtook my life for a bit. Yeah. Where for in the next month or a half, I was playing through it, put a hundred hours into it, and I love that experience. Mm-hmm. I do look back and like I probably should have tried to pace myself. I don't think I could have. Yeah. I'm being honest, but <laughs> yeah. I probably should have tried to pace myself yeah. better. I'm gonna make more of an effort with Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think like I'm excited to see where open world like RPGs go from here because mm-hmm. I Baldur's Gate is almost a perfect game for mm-hmm. me, but I know that you guys can that people can do better, and yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's. It's going to be really impressive to see. To yep. Next year is going to have a lot of tough competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Cool. Well, then, yeah, as we kind of end this uh, episode of Geek Wave Games, once again, thank you so much for watching and or listening. Um, we really appreciate all of you guys. And uh, as well, feel free, because this will be going up on YouTube, feel free to respond in the comments what your current game of the year is so far, whether it's Uh-oh. Baller's... I know, right? <laughs> then you put it in perspective, it's like, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, feel free to just put your own game of the years into the chat, comments, whatever, however that works. Um, and then if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to um, put that in the comments as well or send us an email uh, through j.day at usudentmedia.com. Um, and, yeah, make sure to check out all of our socials from TikTok, Instagram. Uh, what's the other one? Twitter. That's or, Yeah, That's Twitter. <laughs> just to be clear, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> um, which are all going to be linked into our bio. Um, but, yeah, any closing remarks or anything else? No. Cool. Then I hope you guys have a great one, and we will see you guys next time.